1: Be a light, not a judge. Be a model, model, not a critic.
0: If you're like me, constantly working to design a life that will allow you to reach your fullest potential so that you can leave your mark on this planet, then you're in the right place. I'm glad to have you on this journey and hope you enjoy this episode of Inside Out. Yes, what is up, Brendan? It's good to see you. It's good to be back in action. And I'm so excited to talk about the one, the only, Tony Robbins, you just attended Unleash the Power Within. It was an epic, epic event. You said it was the best event you've attended this year and maybe ever, I would assume. Uh, You could tell me if it's the best event you've ever attended. I don't know if it's going to give Lewis a run for his money in the event he puts on. So curious, where does this stand in the overall sort of event world that you've been to in your life? Where does this sit and why was it such a successful event? How did it impact you? And then more specifically, we're going to dive into Tony generally, what you feel are the keys to how he's been able to achieve such an extraordinary level of success in his life. I know that one of the things you're going to talk about is duration and how long he's been doing what he's been doing, but also A lot of people have been doing things for a long time. That doesn't mean that they've had the level of success that he's had. I mean, he definitely has put himself into a category of one. When people think personal growth and development, when they think about somebody that puts on live events, he's always going to be on that list. And there's good reason for it. So we're going to talk about those reasons today. I'm so glad to be back in the saddle with you, my friend. How you been?
1: Life has been amazing, man. And I hope the same for you as well. I can see you're a lot more buff. So the workouts are... Come.
0: I've been working out. I've been... It's like going to prison. When I don't get to work with you, I just I just work out. I've just been doing a lot of pull-ups, push-ups. No, not
1: Well, clearly the results are showing. So so kudos. Kudos to you, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, for most people, they would probably rank Tony's event as number one. But for me, just because Lewis is a special place in my heart and I did meet my business partner there... Uh, Tony's a close, close, close second. So let's leave it at that.
0: So summit of greatness, number one. Unleash the power within, number two. Or is there? Yeah, definitely number two.
1: And Tony is definitely a special character. So let's start from the very top, which is probably the biggest takeaway I got from Tony itself. And we'll get into focus later in his age and and the level of experience. But I'll say the most important one is he really reaffirmed and reemphasized the importance. Of feeling the pain, I'll repeat this one twice, feeling the pain of our future selves so that our present self makes different decisions. I'll repeat that a second time. Feeling the pain of our future self so that our present self makes better decisions for our lives. So one of the exercises that Tony does at UPW is called the Dickens process. And essentially what the Dickens process is, is an exercise where everyone in the room, there was 8,000 people at this event. I know you. it's crazy to believe, but there's 8,000 people in the same room with no masks on. So it's pretty much as if COVID didn't exist. And during Dickens, which is during day three of UPW the evening, everyone had to write down what are the three limiting beliefs? So limiting beliefs, for those who don't know, are beliefs where you feel these are stopping you from getting to the next level. And I'm obviously happy to share some pretty open guy what mine. were. So my first one was that I can't build a million dollar business as an entrepreneur right? Limiting beliefs around that. The second limiting belief was around the fact that I shouldn't be an entrepreneur I should go back to corporate because I'm too young. I don't have the experience to execute on what I'm doing. And the third limiting belief was around the fact that I'd never find the love of my life and I'll be alone despite being wealthy my entire life. Those are my three limiting beliefs that I wrote down on my piece of paper. But what Tony helps you do is through his process, he helps you feel the pain of not breaking through those beliefs so that you end up breaking through them. So in the case of, let's say, the love life one, well, yeah, sure, when I'm 25, it doesn't really matter. I could just do whatever I want. But when you're 40, 45, 50 years old, you're not married, you don't have kids, and that's a big goal of mine, well, you feel the pain of being alone. You feel the pain of having all this money and not everyone to spend it with. And that's the magic of part of Tony's event that was really eye-opening. A lot of people teared up. It was super emotional for a lot of people as well.
0: It makes sense, right? Because if you start to visualize and actually think through what emotionally you would feel at that point in your life, if you don't reach something that's really important to you, you get this visceral reaction. Okay, so let's go talk a little bit about the fact that he's been doing the same thing for 44 years. Why do you think that has such a a key role in how he's been able to, to reach his level of success? Because again, a lot of people work a long time in the same thing. They may not reach Tony Robbins' status. What is he doing that is setting himself apart? Of course, Billy. Happy to talk about that. Before I do, let me
1: just do a little quick break there. For people who are listening, the first point that we talked about around Dickens is really the idea of, are you willing to face the truth of where you are right now in life? So even if you didn't attend the event, I highly recommend that you do this exercise with yourself. You don't have to write it in the chat. You could just say, hey, I'm doing the exercise or I took action on. You can leave it at that. Uh, But on your piece of paper, privately at home, write down what are your three limiting beliefs and what happens if you don't break through them? I think what the magic of Tony's event is he's created that community that we'll be talking about. And it's because of that community that holds you accountable to pushing to that next level, to pushing to the next level of success. So, So I recommend that you all reflect on that, not just hear about it in this interview that we're talking through right now.
0: One quick thing on that before we move on, because I think I'm, I'm glad you doubled down there. And if somebody's writing down their limiting beliefs, what do you have as a, a way to sort of process and think through that? Because I think a lot of times we go through life and we don't reflect, we don't take the time to really think about things that may be blockers, that may be limiting beliefs. So do they give you a prompt other than just say, hey, start thinking about these things? Like how can someone make sure that they are thinking about it in the right way?
1: Great question. So a good way of thinking about this is what are your top three goals in your life? Like just write down, or three goals in general, it doesn't have to be a big grandiose thing. And then next to that piece of paper, write down what are the three things that are stopping you from achieving those goals? I'll give you kind of an example that Tony gave in the seminar as uh, talking points to help you think through. So the most common one is I'm not enough to achieve this thing. I'm not enough to do this thing. Another one was, I'm too young. Oh, I'm too young to do this. Too young to do that. I shouldn't be doing that. I don't have the expertise. I'm not rich enough. I'm not educated enough. I don't have the right relationships. Those are just a couple of the common examples that we've seen. And the other another way to reflect on the limiting beliefs is look at them from area of life. So career, relationships, health, work life, etc. cetera. So let's say in my case, most of my limiting beliefs were focused on my love life, my personal love life. And my wealth, like the money in my bank, and my business, because everything else is pretty strong. Like my health, I don't really have any limiting beliefs. I'm a pretty fit guy. Just did like a 30 minute power workout. I'm fine. And the, uh, what is it? My personal relationships with my friends. My friends are very tight. So I have pretty good relationships there. So it's all individual. So for those of you listening to you, some of you might have health issues, but have really good money. Some of you might be really rich, but not have the greatest health. Etc. So it's up to you to figure what those out, but hopefully that gives you an idea of what to work with.
0: So now let's talk about Tony. We know the duration. If there's anything specific that comes to mind in that realm that helps to give him an edge, because again, I mean, like think about this. He has been doing it a really long time. So how has that played a role? And on that note, what has he been doing all that time to continue to put himself? In a category of one.
1: Absolutely. So so I think to get started, since probably a lot of people don't really know Tony's background and story. So he actually started, I didn't even know this, by the way, the seeker of truth, the man who's studying everyone, nail to nail, detail to detail, as we cover in these discussions that we have. I didn't even know this. And it turns out Tony actually got started in personal development when he was only 17 years old. So even younger than me, I was a bit jealous when I heard that. So the story was, when he was 16 or 17 years old, he had a father, he didn't have a lot of money. He had four fathers growing up, by the way, in Tony Robbins' case. And his fourth one, well, actually all of them, didn't have a lot of money. And he had one rich uncle. And he went up to his rich uncle once, and he said, what is the difference between you and me? Like, why is your family rich, and why is my family poor? And the guy answered, quite simply, that I go to seminars. I go to seminars like, you know, Tony Robbins seminars, but obviously at the time, Tony Robbins seminars didn't exist because Tony- wasn't a thing yet. So he said, okay, what, what are seminars? He uh, says Tony Robbins. He doesn't know what a seminar is. And the uncle says, oh, it's a place where people gather, share information, build community, and are able to achieve better results in their life. And he goes, okay, what seminar should I attend? He's like, there's a guy named Jim Rohn. He does a seminar. It's like two, three days, and it costs 50 bucks. And of course, back then, 50 bucks was a lot of money. This was, what, 45 years ago? And the guy said, yeah this is what you need to be doing. And Tony said, well, I don't really have the money. Could you sponsor me? And the uncle said, no, you need to earn your way to the conference. So that way you'll actually pay attention to the information you're hearing. So Tony worked as a janitor for a few hours, nights and days. So he can afford to get into that $50 conference. And that's when his journey started. He attended a Jim Rohn seminar, who's his greatest mentor. And from that seminar, he actually ended up starting uh, his to work under Jim, learn NLP and all that stuff, and then his, his he's skyrocketed. But I think the lesson here is he's been in the same industry for forty four years at sixty one years old now, but he still shows up today with the same energy, the same passion, the same enthusiasm that he did when he was seventeen. And I think that's a lesson for all of us to learn from.
0: So after that happened, what was the next step in his journey? And and I'm curious how somebody goes from not knowing what a seminar is, but being open-minded enough to ask and being smart enough to ask somebody who was in his orbit, obviously not his father's, multiple fathers, but his uncle who had had success and attributes that success to gaining knowledge through community and through exposure to ideas by going to these events. How does one then make that transition to be the personal growth icon that he is today?
1: You know, it's interesting that you say that, Billy. I wish I knew the perfect answer. And this is probably just my lack of knowledge on this. But based on what I've heard from all of Tony's interviews and his knowledge, is he's very spotty about the way that he explains his past. So, and I don't say that in a bad way or in a condescending way or anything, but in the sense that he mostly does flashes in the pen and then at some point you flash and he's like the most successful person on earth there's not really a clear progression from the ages of 17 all the way until he becomes a superstar the only thing that i've heard of though i'm sure somebody in the chat will correct me is after he started working for jim Rohn and started gaining the knowledge he started hosting sessions and seminars with him He kind of earned his trust I guess it was through his work ethic, his passion, I guess, similar to how I got Vomsey to be my business partner, who's my 50-50 joint venture. And I wouldn't have been successful without him at all. I guess similar, but I guess better at a higher scale. But then after that, what happened is in his 20s, everything fell apart because he let his ego get in the way of his success. And from that, he lost all of his money. And then he he had a lot of trouble financially. And then after that, he found the lesson of giving and living, the secret to living is giving, and then he skyrocketed again. That's that's basically all we know. And then he became successful. So there's definitely parts of the story that, that are a bit spotty. But I think the general idea that I really want to emphasize that I got from Tony's story, it's not just enough to be 44 years into the industry, though that is of itself is a huge advantage because most human beings can't focus longer than five minutes, let alone 44 years on one single focus. But the other piece that's really interesting about Tony is he's in an industry where it allows you to play for that long and incrementally capture the value of those results. What do I mean by that? Let me give an easy example to explain this. Let's say you take a basketball player like LeBron James. So LeBron James, obviously, super successful. Not many people know his story really well, but LeBron has been very smart with his basketball career from the first day he started playing basketball. So much so that when he was in high school and he he had no money, he turned down a million dollar offer to work to be a basketball player somewhere else because it wasn't benefiting him long term. Super interesting guy. And he's been married to the same person since his high school days. So LeBron has clearly played an interesting game here. But let's take LeBron as an example or any sports athlete. You focus on sports, let's say from the ages of 10 all the way until you retire, let's say 35, 40. So 25, 26 years. But the problem with sports is there's an expiration date to your potential. After 25 or 26 years, you have to reinvent yourself, become a business owner, take endorsement deals. You have to reinvent the game, but you can't keep getting better at the sport anymore because your body will just give out on you. But what's interesting about speaking, education, and training that specific industry is there actually is no expiration date until you're dead or you lose your voice. That's why Tony has been able to just keep staying in the same industry his whole life, pretty much, refining one product, one idea to a point where he's developed such a significant gap between the number one life coach in the world, who coaches Bill Clinton, which is him, obviously, Bill Clinton. Mark Benioff, to CEO of Salesforce, Conor McGregor, one of the top UFC fighters in the world, to I don't really know who the second life coach is in the world.
0: I love that. And it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just watching something. uh, Was it Moneyball? I think I was watching Moneyball, which if you've seen that, it's such a great story, right? And one of the things they talk about is that at some point, you can no longer play. Like it may be 18, it may be 41, it may be anywhere between those two, but at some point you're done. You got to hang up your, your cleats, hang up your whatever sport you're playing, you're, you're done. And the nice thing about something like what he does is there is an expiration date, maybe you know if your mental faculty is not where it needs to be. Or as you said, your voice is gone, but ultimately a longer path exists in that type of environment. So my question for you now is, As you think about how we can best serve anyone who's listening, either as a podcast listener, what do you think is most valuable for them to know about either the event itself or Tony that they can apply into their own lives? Like, what value, you know, you have a long list of insights, wows, wowses, and things that you've gathered. So, what's going to serve the listener the most to help them on their own path?
1: Absolutely. So,
0: definitely Dickens is the most
1: important piece, I would say, as takeaway. That's the actionable step that will really help people. Make a list of the three limiting beliefs that you have. Do your best and start to picture the pain of not being able to break through those beliefs. So going back to me, I always like using myself as a personal example. Well, now it's okay for Brendan to not date because I don't feel the pain. It's like, I don't care, I'm 25. But if you start thinking about the person you are in the future, 40, alone, whatever, then you start to feel that pain today and you go, crap, I got to take action. The second piece is the whole idea that I should go back to corporate. I've had that limiting belief for a while since I left corporate because I was so good at it. I was making a lot of money. I still like I got a huge pay raise to stay. So a lot of me was still stuck in that idea that I should go back to corporate, that I should go back there, that I can't make it as an entrepreneur. But when I felt the pain of my future self, holy crap, working in the same company for 20 years and wasting all my time. Being at a company, I was like, holy shit, I'd rather just work at Starbucks at $10 an hour and stay in entrepreneurship. So that's the second one. Same thing with the million dollar business. If I can't build it to a million, I won't be able to impact as many lives. People won't know what master talk is. You feel the pain today. Now I don't feel the pain, but I got to feel the pain later so that I, I take action today and get it done. The other piece around focus, because Billy told me this, Brendan, what can we learn from the fact that, that Tony has been in the same industry for 44 years? Because none of us have. And that's a fair point. I completely agree with that. The way I would translate this back to everyone who's listening is go back to your core strengths and realize the following. When you figure out what your one thing is, you better focus all of your energy on that one thing if you want to actually serve the world in a meaningful way. I think what I realized is there's kind of two categories of people. One who have found their one thing and who choose to ignore it. The other part of it who don't know what their one thing is. You don't know your one thing is? Well, the only thing to do is to make decisions. Most people don't make enough decisions in their life to end up finding their one thing at some point in life. And we don't know when this is going to happen. It's very unpredictable. Like in my case, I got super lucky. I found it at 21, which is pretty crazy. Zucks found it. Mark Zuckerberg found it in his early 20s as well. Stripes founders. Patrick and John Collison, the founders of Stripe, found it super early as well. So there's some people who find it in their 20s, but there's other people like Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx, one of the few people in the world who have built a billion-dollar business without raising any capital whatsoever, extremely impressive founder. She sold fax machines for eight years, and then she only found out the idea for Spanx later in her life. Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, was an Oracle executive for 10 15 years i believe until he had the idea for salesforce in his 30s and 40s so everyone's got a different timeline but i think the key is if you want to find your one thing you got to make more decisions and the way you do that is by asking yourself what does the world need most from you right now and why and then you're able to make those decisions
0: let's unpack that part uh, just just for clarity When you say make decisions, what exactly do you mean? Maybe give an example of like a type of decision that will help you get on that path to find your one thing.
1: So so I'll use myself once again as an example, because I didn't really have a passion until I was in my early 20s. In fact, I didn't really care about much else besides video games and really, really unhealthy food. That's it. That's my life. So, But instead of just sitting there and going, that's my life. Let me just go ahead and and do this. No, no, no. That's not the point. Instead, I made a decision. So I asked myself this question, what does the world need me most to do right now and why? And the answer was simple. It wasn't to start a YouTube channel. It wasn't to build a business. It wasn't to sell lemonade at a lemonade stand. It was to get out of poverty. Let me repeat that again. Get out of poverty. That's it. My mom and dad were minimum wage workers. So I looked at my life and said, what is the easiest way to escape poverty? What I need to do right now. I don't need to have a passion. I just need to figure out how to make some goddamn money. So I looked at the careers when I was 12 years old and it was a super easy decision for me to make. Decision, right? Decision, right? Not passion, decision. Because I looked up a report card and I saw that I had 80s and 90s in mathematics. I was a math whiz, but everything else, I was dumb as shit. Like I had like 50s and 60s and everything else. So I looked up all the math-related careers and made the decision to be an accountant. Well, everyone else wanted to be astronauts or doctors or random you know, actors or whatever at 12, which is totally fine. Go dream, everyone. Go after your dreams. In my case, I was like, nah, Brendan needs some money. So then after I went to business school and I said, okay, now- I need to get a job at an accounting. Okay, what's the best job? Accounting firm. So then to get that job, I started doing case competitions because it was the best way to stand out in the corporate world. Did case competitions. Then I found an unhealthy obsession with them. Then I got really good at coaching other people accidentally on speaking. Accidentally, right? It wasn't this intentional thing. I just made a decision. I go, well, I want to help these kids because nobody else is coaching them and I want to win these bloody competitions. And then I accidentally stumbled upon Mass Talk of My Life's Purpose without ever having the intention to do so because I made decisions. If I never made the decision to be an accountant and go to business school, this conversation and we would probably not know each other.
0: So let's tie this back to Tony and the ideas, the insights that you think will be, again because I totally get it. The key point is to make sure you ask that question and be brutally honest with yourself. If you're someone, and we all have limiting beliefs, that has limiting beliefs, identifying those limiting beliefs will be key. What else stands out if you think about how somebody can make decisions on their path to finding their one thing? Do you either have some examples of Tony doing that, or do you have things that you learned at the event that you think will be valuable to, to discuss. Feel free to consult your notes too, man. I know you got a ton of notes.
1: You know, so that was probably the most intense personal development conference I attended. We'll get into the jumping and the jockeying and all the crazy stuff they made us do. I think I ran like three marathons or something in three days because I was like jumping up and down for like 18 hours. I mean, sorry, eight hours. Anyways, crazy times. So, so going back to your question around decisions, how do we improve that process? How do we make better decisions? I think what I would say there is you don't really know until you find what the gift is until you just keep making the decisions. But what I will say is that people who end up finding what the gift is, is they make it a priority. They make it a priority. So some of us, when we make $5,000, we go, okay, am I going to buy the new iPhone? Am I going to buy a vacation to the Bahamas? i Am going to buy this really expensive thing that I don't need? No problem with vacations, but hear me out. Whereas what a very, very small percentage of the population will do, Billy, very tiny, is they'll go, I need to invest this 5,000. I need to keep this 5,000, not so that I have a retirement plan necessarily, though that's cool, but more to free myself from the leverage of a corporate job so that I have more freedom to think. Because if I have $5 in my bank account, I'm not thinking about my passions. I'm not thinking about decisions because I'm worried about making ends meet. I was there. But when you got $50,000 in the bank, not because you're rich, not because you have a trust fan, but because you saved every penny because that was the priority. That's why I lived in my mom's basement. I still do. Coming to you live from there, by the way. I'll probably be here for a long time. Now you have leverage. And when you have leverage, you have more this. You have more time to think. You're less stressed about making the next paycheck. You're less stressed about paying your bills and you have more mind space to figure out the truth, which is who you are and asking the right questions. So I'd encourage you, even if I don't have the perfect answer today, but everything I've shared so far, I can pretty much guarantee most of us don't do it. And I was one of those people, which is, are you prioritizing the next thing you want to buy or are you prioritizing time to think about what you want your life to be? And I guarantee you most of us are doing the former rather than the latter.
0: Let's dive in and talk a little bit more specifically about the event itself. What are the things that stand out in your mind that you can't resist but to help share with the audience? And
1: just a quick point on, for the people who have found their one thing. I think the biggest thing I got from Tony, Billy, is the reward of focusing on one thing for an extraordinarily long period of time. For the few of you who have found out what that gift is, whether it's baking cupcakes, whether it's speaking on a stage, whether it's actually staying in corporate and becoming a CEO of that company, whatever that thing is, once you figure out what that thing is, look at Tony as the model, as the example to say, if I stay focused for 40 years, 45 years, 35 years, I can get what Tony has, which is a ridiculous competitive moat, which is substantial wealth, maybe not the level Tony has, but but more so than the industry average that you're working with and really what you want out of life. So I'd encourage you to think about that in the same way that I think about Tony as well as, as the model to follow in my industry, which is public speaking coaching in my case. So I would say beyond focus, I would say the biggest takeaway from an experience perspective and it surprises me, not many people know this about Tony's events, is he has an experience called the firewalk. And the firewalk is literally, and I, I'm not kidding here, this is not an exaggeration, where every participant who wants to, and the vast majority of them do it, have to walk on very, very, very hot coals, where there's literally fire under the coals. It's super hot. It's four times hotter than a stove, like, you know, a burning stove. And most of us got through the experience without a single burn. So that's an experience that I'll never forget for the rest of my life because I was scared shitless. But what Tony does is he helps you change your state. So there's three pieces to state that let's talk about and then we'll go back to the fire experience because he trained us for four hours on how to walk through these coals. Because I thought it was a joke. I thought he was kidding. I thought the the coals weren't that hot. So I had I was full state. I did it. I pressed. I was like, fuck. And then I just kept going. Right? with the, So yeah, they were really hot. The point I want to drive. There's three parts to changing your state. The first one is physiology. Right? So when you get your body moving. When you got your, your shoulders up. When you're smiling. You're ready. Your physiology is there. It's inactive. Versus if you're here and you're talking. So that's number one, physiology. Second one is language and meaning. So the language and meaning that you use, you associate to what you do, changes your state. So if you go, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. I can't do this. You won't be able to do this. Versus if you do, yes, I got this. Yes, I can do this. I can absolutely with 100% certainty, knock this out. Your state will change to a positive way. And then the third piece is focus. Are you focused on the goal? Are you focused on what you want? And are you prioritized? Are you clear? Are you, do you have clarity? So let me repeat that again. This is what he calls the triad. So physiology, language and meaning, and focus. If you have all three of these things, you can pretty much do anything. You're in the right state. To do something so whenever we walked on those hot coals we only did it once thankfully we would have to do incantations we had like five thousand people outside in the dark it was 2 a.m. it was like a cult we all went yes 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 like as if like this was 100 going to happen well i just drank the kool-aid i went with it because i didn't want to burn my fucking feet sorry i shouldn't be swearing on episode but anyways so the point is is i did it but the lesson that I want people to take away from that experience is those are the types of experiences that create incredible word of mouth. I can pretty much guarantee like this very live stream that we're having, this 10 or 15 people are probably going to watch or more is the average UPW attendee will probably tell 10 friends about their experience at this event for two, three months, if not longer, which creates a substantial amount of business for Tony.
0: There you have a very key takeaway from a standpoint of how he's had the level of success. He creates a moment and he creates a moment that people want to share and want to talk about. So there is a very easily definable component to what Tony Robbins has integrated into his experiences is people who have listen to me before, uh, I have talked a lot about the, the peak end rule, which is in, if you've read the book, Power of Moments, they talk about this psychology theory, which says people remember those high points and they remember the end points. And so if you have high points in any experience, you know, I worked at Tesla, there's high points in the experience that you have driving a Tesla. And that's when you get to put it into ludicrous mode and your cheeks go back to your into the trunk of your car because you're going so fast, you you remember that and you tell everybody you know about that. It sounds like that experience is one of the reasons Tony's had success and walking on fire, coals and, and things that are crazy like that, you can't help but to want to tell everybody you know about it because it's such a unique, memorable and mind-blowing experience that you naturally want to... Reduce the cognitive burden that you have of keeping it to yourself. You have to share it with other people. You got to tell everyone you know about it. So, if you think about the event, what else makes the event shareable, memeable, right? Where you want to tell other people because, to your point, right? Why do people line up and pay him money? Why do two or 3,000 people join Platinum and become a Platinum partner? There's got to be a reason for that, right? And they pay 80 grand to be a Platinum member, I mean, you do the math on that, 2,000 people paying 80 grand, it's a serious chunk of change. Not to mention the fact that you went to to your own admission, the introduction level event, right? The, the the event that really he uses as marketing for all of the other offerings that he has, right? So talk a little bit about that part of it and anything else that comes to mind as is, is mind-blowing.
1: Great points. And you're absolutely right, especially about the plat partnership. So I would say that the big piece about Tony does that's entirely unique. Think of UPW like a personal development rock concert. Like it's a rock concert. It's like a music festival where you're raving, but instead of raving to you know, the stuff that we usually think of, you're raving to personal development, to change, to opportunity, to getting better, to making yourself the best version of who you can be. So most of the event, Billy, we're talking 70%, not like 10% talking 70% of the event, you're literally doing this. you're jumping, you're jumping up and down, you're screaming, right? You're telling, you're hugging the person next to you, are hugging the person left. Like this is not just like a one-time thing in the morning. And then he starts the seminar for the rest of the day. Literally every 15 minutes, every 15 minutes, even 10 minutes. I wasn't really sure because time is really distorted at this types of events. just, he's like, get out of your seats. And then a bunch of music starts playing. It goes boom, boom, boom. And everyone starts jumping again. And you do that for like 10, 12, 14 hours. Like it's long. Like day one started at like 12 PM and ended at 2 AM. So it was like 14 hours. Obviously people like left and took their own breaks because they couldn't handle it for so long. And that went on for four days. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty intense. But, but I think the point is that level of intensity is also designed to change your state in a way where you're more likely to buy stuff it's because now you're tired you're under the trance you're kind of like oh my god and i'm not saying this is a bad thing by the way i think it's really smart so that when tony starts selling the experience of Date with destiny which is a ten thousand dollar program by the way that even i'm thinking of signing up for next year that's how good he is business master which is a ten thousand dollar event it's a five day event okay you're paying ten grand to be there for five days and of course, this Platinum partnership that includes all of his events and includes private coaching with Tony, but even private isn't that private. It's not one-on-one with Tony, by the way. Hoo-hoo, hold your horses. This is like Tony, instead of being in a room with 8,000 people, he's in a room with 300 people. Okay. So you get to meet him. You get to talk to him. You have a relationship with them, but he's not coaching you one-on-one, right? So people are lining up for that. Why? Because they want more of Tony. They don't want this event to end. They don't want the buzz the end.
0: Why do you think they, in the general they, people, human beings, why do they want more of him? What is it about him that is creating this intense magnetic attraction to where people, to your point, they go to one event and then they want to go to another event or they want to join and become a plat partner. Why is that? What do you think it is about him? Is it the intensity and if so, what else in addition to intensity?
1: You know, this is actually a question I asked my business partner at the event. What do you think it is that gets people to buy into that? Because Vamsi has been in in the Tony world for a long time. That was his eighth UPW. Just to give you an idea of how deep he is in, in Tony's world. And he's done everything except Platt. So he's done Date with Destiny, Business and all that stuff. And what he said was really fascinating. He said, look, the reason, because so just so people know this, UPW is a four-day event, but Tony Robbins actually only speaks for two days out of the four. I asked Vamsi, why doesn't Tony just make this a two-day event if he only wants to speak for two days? And then what Vamsi said really surprised me. He said, it's not really about that, Brendan. It's about how do we keep every attendee in the ecosystem for as long as possible? So day one, Tony speaks, doesn't sell anything. Day two, the pitching begins. Do you want to change your life? Do you want to go into business, blah, blah, blah. And then people make a decision, right? Some people, let's say, let's play it out. Let's say 5% of the audience out of the 8,000 goes to the back of the room, buys something. But what happens in the next day is when Tony's not there and people start leaving the room and go, I don't want to be in it. The, and they start talking to each other. Oh, did you buy business mastery? Oh yeah. it's the best decisions I ever made. And you have a bunch of these plats who've already done it. So you, you're in this community where people are measuring status. In that community based on whether or not they bought the program so then day three dean graziosi comes up on stage and he goes you know in life sales is about saying i want you to experience what i experienced and that's why i want all of you to join date with destiny every single speaker was strategically selected and they delivered a lot of value but they also implicitly were selling his programs every single event though nobody really realized i bet where you had someone who's super successful and she said, I went to date with Destiny 12 times, literally 12 times. So she spent 120 grand going to date with Destiny 12 times. And because of that implicitness at the end of day four, as Vamsi told me, the onboarding rooms overflowed. We're estimating that Tony Robbins made at least $25 million from that four day event. Minimum, we're talking minimum. So yeah, there's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of logic, but I think the piece is how do you appeal to both? And Tony is probably the best to do it in the business, especially from an emotional perspective.
0: What do you say to the cynic, the person who's not necessarily wired like a Vomsi to embrace personal development and they accept that is an experience where you're going to change your state, where you're going to give yourself without bringing the baggage and the negativity that a lot of us adopt and bring into our life. What do you say to that person who's less inclined to believe? Because there are people out there and there's, there's YouTubers, there's people on Twitter, there's people in the news and the media who boo-hoo gurus, professional and personal development coaches and everyone from the iconic... Tony Robbins to the coach who is just there to help you with any part of your life or business that you need help with. And I'm curious, I'm not trying to convince those people, but I'm curious if you have a thought on what you would say to that person to either give them some sort of reason to consider it or, or would you say anything to them?
1: That was probably the best question. That you've asked in this entire interview, Billy. And this is why I love just letting your genius at work. Let's just have start, press record and see what magical questions you ask. And as always, you don't disappoint. Great question. I actually have a story on this. So we were day two at the event. Okay, we're eating, we, we go to this uh, Thai place. Like I said, UP is like 8,000 people, dude. Right. So obviously, all the lines are crazy. It's really weird to explain until you're actually there and you notice how many people or 8,000 people at a personal development conference. So, all the food wasn't really good there. But there was a small restaurant, Thai restaurant, that Vomsi knew about because he's been to that resort convention study before that nobody knows about. And the reason not many people go there is because you literally have to run through the road without stoplights to get to the restaurant. So it's super dangerous. Like there's only really cars and me and he, bombs are just walking up. Like, what are you doing? Like go. And I'm just like, Phew. and then one guy was like, almost hit us. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's fucking crazy. And, and yeah, the Thai food's really good there. But it's like the point I want to try. And you can imagine we ran through that, that street light a lot more than once. Cause like I said, we went there eight times. The point I want to drive is when we got to the Thai place, we met this Indian girl. It was like 10 p.m. Okay, won't name her. Obviously, it won't tell you what she does. Any of that. And she sat there, and she w- she was going to the conference too. And we we're asking her, "What what do you think?" And she's like, "Oh, Tony Robbins is a scam. This is all nonsense. None of this makes any sense." And she just went on for an hour and a half. And I just went, "Oh, brother!" Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> and anyways, it was it was, a, it was a terrible end to our night. But it's okay. But th- the point I want to drive from her is. And Vomsey had a lesson in it for me. He said, it's all about the intention that you bring to anything. If you think something's a scam, you'll only hear stuff that proves your theory. You'll only hear ideas that proves what you are. These, this is what Tony Robbins refers to as reference points. So you'll find reference points in the world that defend your point of view of the world instead of exploring others. So if you think Tony's, which I don't, by the way, I think Joe, Tony is a gift to the world. I'm super grateful I went to the event. I think any he's allowed to sell whatever he wants to anyone he wants because it's his stage. his like It's his arena. People are making the decision to go. They don't have to go. So just want to point that out. But the point I want to drive is If you think something's a scam, whether it's Tony or anything, you're going to find reasons in the world to make it a scam, to make it useless. Whereas, if you have the right intention, you say, okay, Tony's a flawed human being like I am, like you are, like Lewis is, like everyone else is, but he has significantly more success than my flawed human beingness. So... I'm going to make a decision to sit down and keep an open mind. Even when he's selling, I'm going to ask myself if I sold that better, how would I sell it better? Even through the sales pitches and to the content that's really good, I ask myself how can I apply that back with my clients? Like Dickens was absolutely like that process alone was worth the price of admission. It was so transformative, right? But but in a way that I can't even explain because it's so hard to define what he actually did in the step-by-step. And like, there's this one girl who was like suicidal and he like shifted her in like 30 minutes. It was like nuts. We were all like going crazy. But it was, the point I want to drive is it's all about the intention you bring to a conversation. If you think that you're not going to learn anything, you'll learn nothing. And if you keep that open mind, which very few people can do, I would argue then you'll get the treasures of the world that you are seeking.
0: It's so true what you said about people finding stories to back up their point of view. And I like the way you phrased it, reference points, or the way Tony phrased it, reference points, right? So you constantly seek to validate the opinion you have, the belief you have by looking for things that will back it up. That's it. It's so common, but awareness helps. If you know that's true, and it is, then you're going to be more inclined to look and acknowledge that often we use stories in our lives and use reference points in our lives to only further become more rigid in our thinking. Let's wrap this up with one final thought. What did we miss that we should have covered And what else do you want to talk about next time we talk about Tony?
1: Yeah, I would say my closing remark on this, Billy, great job with the questions, by the way, is for Tony, the key is Tony is not the real superstar here. The real superstar, and I really want people to pay attention to this one, is the community that Tony has built. The magic is not Tony speaking on stage. The magic is... You speaking to the people next to you at dinner after Tony is done speaking. That is the real magic. I met two incredible, incredible guys that are probably going to be lifelong friends. And I don't say that a lot, right? Because most of the people I meet, I'm kind of like, okay. But these two people, wow. Like just incredible. Guy named Gino, Italian guy next to me. The point is that I really want to drive. Especially now that the pandemic is slowly closing out, now that live events are coming back slowly, I encourage you. this is a rule Vomsey gave me, and I'll give it to you for those of you who want to implement it, is he calls it the ten percent rule. Invest ten percent of your annual income into you. I think you should be investing more, but invest ten percent of your annual income into you, whether that's one hundred dollars, whether it's $1,000, whether it's $10,000, start thinking more about how can we replace those vacations in the Bahamas with attending one of these personal development conferences? Especially for those of you who are making the decision to be great and you haven't found the passion, you'll find the community that helps you find the passion. Like for me, having those three-hour discussions with Vamsi at the hotel room, having dinner at 11 p.m. and talking through those ideas... That's what's worth $100,000 to me. That's the real magic that I wish every human being had, but we're not giving ourselves the space to do that. So don't go to Tony events for Tony. Go to Tony's events to watch Tony, but more specifically, talk to the community he's built because there's some truly exceptional people there. And I'm super grateful I got to meet many of them at that event.
0: Drop the mic. And I hope the listener who is that person who wants to make a decision to be great, got some value today, some reminders, and maybe some new ideas that you can integrate into your life. Brendan Kumarasamy delivered as usual. Thanks for the compliment. always try to ask questions that will serve and help and do the things that we all want to do, which is grow and be our best version of ourselves. So if you haven't yet subscribed to Brendan's YouTube channel, which continues to blow up, go to YouTube and look for Master Talk and you'll get more wisdom and golden nuggets. If you haven't yet subscribed to Inside Out, go to your favorite podcast platform and hit that subscribe button. Would love a, a review. Would love for you to enjoy and be a part of our community as we continue to build and give and help create more world changers every day. We uh, appreciate you and appreciate your time being a part of this journey with us. Until next time, make it a great one. We'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside Out. I hope you took away some valuable insights that will help you in business and in life. breakthrough moment may happen when you least expect it. Insight
1: out.